The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A lot of talk in the city of Edmonton recently about transit and increasing ridership. There are plenty of reasons why people do or do not take a bus. And if you do, or even if you have, maybe just once or twice, you know, you just know it. There are some unwritten rules of the bus. And to be honest with you, I think it's kind of some unwritten rules of any type, kind of transit where you're traveling with others. Well, there's a a sociology professor at UBC who has launched a project aimed at understanding how people interact with strangers on public buses. I thought it was really, really interesting. Professor Amy Hanser joins us now. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Okay, so what got you you interested in this? What's it about a bus that you find so fascinating? So, to be honest, this is a project I've been thinking about for the last 20 years since I started becoming a regular bus rider. Um, And it really grew out of my observations about how interesting people's behavior on buses is. Yeah. Um, And then from a more scholarly perspective, um, I mean, buses are really interesting because they're this space where you get on the bus and you're expected to keep to yourself. Um, And yet you have to be really aware of everyone around you. So So there's a real tension there. And, and it's that tension between the, the kind of civil inattention that you give to other people, you acknowledge they're there, but you don't uh, focus your attention on them, and then at the same time being accessible to other people, so giving up your seat if necessary, moving, stepping out of the way, all of these ways that we accommodate each other on the bus. And so it's this really, I just find it a really interesting space of, of kind of mundane, everyday courtesies that we have to... Uh, we have to engage in for the bus to actually work properly. <laughs> I love that you use the word tension because, you know what, I didn't really think of it until then. But, yeah, there's all of these questions. It's okay. Do I say hi to the bus driver? Right. Do I make eye contact with the person in the front row? Do I sit here? Do I sit beside someone? Or do I go all the way to the back where the empty chair is? There's a lot of little things, isn't it? They're right. That's right. <laughs> and you're going to be looking at all of these. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested really in the kind of daily mechanics of riding the bus and how people experience it. And then I'm also interested in the bus as kind of, you know, people often talk about cities as, as diverse places where people mix with each other. And it struck me that actually the public bus might actually be one of those few places where we're actually in very close proximity with strangers and with people who might be very different from us. And sometimes those interactions are actually really challenging. And so that's another thing that I'm interested in exploring. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think about it, um, I mean, I think that the character of the bus could change depending on what part of the city that you're riding Mm -hmm. it in or through. Absolutely. That's actually a, a fantastic insight. And I think that that's exactly right, that buses are transformed by neighborhoods. They're also transformed by the time of day. So the character of the bus on a Friday (laughs) evening is really different than a Monday morning or even you know, late, late morning on a weekday. It's very, very different. Yeah, or coming home from a sporting event. That's right. You yeah. know, there's some craziness that happens there. I've been on the <laughs> on the LRT on on the on the on the on the train a couple times. It's like, oh my goodness, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and and actually, the sporting event example is really interesting because there is this kind of typical commuting behavior that we expect, and then there's situations that are either that are characterized often by humor or, in the case of a sporting event, something else that draws people out of their ordinary commuting mm-hmm. role and allows them to engage in 
behavior they wouldn't ordinarily do. And here in Vancouver, we have something called the Rudolph bus. It's a bus that's decorated like yeah. Rudolph the reindeer. And the, you get on the bus, and it's not like any other bus. Everyone's laughing. They talk to each other. So it wouldn't work if all the buses were that way. But when we have these special events, they really do actually transform the rules of being on, these, on public transit. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking about being on public transit after, again, I'll say a sporting event, maybe after the Eskimos are playing or coming back from a, an Oilers game. And if there's a win, I mean, people are <laughs> excited. And normally, we wouldn't necessarily, necessarily talk to that person that we're sitting That's beside right. or even make eye contact but all of a sudden there's something there that joins us that makes us i guess the same almost or we have a connection and it opens the doors wide open yeah and actually that term open is a great way it's actually there's a sociologist who uses a term to describe people that you feel you can approach in public as open people and the bus driver is a great example of an open person you you are entitled to to say things to the bus driver, right? Ask directions, whatever it is. But the sporting event creates this kind of shared sense of solidarity that maybe opens everybody to everyone else in a way that is, uh, can be quite fun, actually. And Professor Amy Hanser is um, with the Department of Sociology at UBC. It's been something that she's been talking about for 20 years now. We're thinking about taking a closer look and, and trying to understand how people interact with strangers on, on public transportation on buses. And I'm wondering, Amy, if if this study could be done on airplanes, or would it be <laughs> different? It would be different. Um, I think it would be quite different, actually. Airplanes are interesting because, um, unlike the bus, they're actually uh, segregated by class. Mm -hmm. um, and people are, I, I think, actually, airports are one of the few spaces where we're really exposed to that kind of segregation in terms of, like, how you get, what order you get on the bus <laughs> or on the airplane where you sit. And the other thing is that they are not fleeting interactions, right? No. You're with somebody for often an extended period of time. And I suspect that, I mean, that can have two effects. It can make you either more reserved, like that you need to preserve your privacy more because it's, if it gets breached, it's, it's threatened for much longer. <laughs> or you might find that an opportunity where you can actually really have quite a frank conversation with somebody that you'll probably never see again. And yeah, uh, and you, they're not knows. an acquaintance, <laughs> but they might not be a stranger by the end of the flight. There are, it seems, some unwritten rules when it comes to public transportation. What would you say some of them are? Well, I, uh, I think, I mean, I think the most obvious rule on public transportation is this, what I mentioned earlier, which is this idea of civil inattention, which is that you, um, you acknowledge people around you. You don't pretend like you're the only one on the bus but you also don't focus your attention uh, inappropriately on other people. Well, um, staring's not appropriate at any time, is it? <laughs> well, it depends, uh, it depends on the person. So a, a child is entitled to stare because people don't hold them to the same interactional standards. But generally speaking, yes, staring is a problem. And so one way that people manage that and on transit is, finding other places to focus their attention. Mm. And so sometimes everyone complains about all the cell phones that people use. Yeah. But actually a cell phone is a great interactional shield that gives you a safe place to put your attention. Uh, and, it, and that's one reason why it's relaxing on the bus is that your, your attention is safely and civil, 
in a civil fashion is not focused on anybody else. So sometimes riding a bus would remind me, and I'm going to, again, I'm going to throw something else out at you, like riding the elevator. You're mm-hmm. kind of all trapped in a place <laughs> for, and this time it's a short time. You don't know where to look. You don't want to touch anybody. Sometimes you're very, you know, squished in there. Other times you have your own space. But um, yeah, do you talk to the person? Do you make, you know, there's all sorts of situations that we find our ourselves in that kind of could cross over here. Yes, yes, I think that's right. And and actually after there was the some of the initial news reports on my study came out, someone sent me an email describing a, a university student who had done he was doing observations of behavior in an elevator oh. and so he got in the elevator and he turned around and faced everyone ah. and he ended up getting questioned by campus security <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a gross violation of a norm which is in in an elevator, you really don't interact with each other. There's very little, there's yeah. very little justification for it, and uh, and so people thought he must have bad intentions. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see how the weather or the time of year would change it as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I might think that you know this time of year, you mentioned the Rudolph bus. Um, people might be a little bit more friendly or outgoing, or they could be a little more frazzled depending on where you're coming from. Yeah, and I, I actually think in, in Vancouver, the rain introduces a dynamic where people have wet umbrellas, and on a mm. crowded bus, yeah. um, managing your wet umbrella becomes another <laughs> element of etiquette on the bus. Hmm. Sure. What What about, um, you know, th- there are some rules that you shouldn't be doing. There, there's certain things you shouldn't be doing on a bus or in any, like, public transport, and, and we hear about it. I always talk about people behaving badly on airplanes or on trains or on buses and, you know, like, grooming. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, cutting your nails or painting your, na- or painting your nails or putting your makeup on. I don't know, and it's just sometimes I'm like, are, you, are, are some people that comfortable with themselves, I guess, that they're, they're able to do that. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, so it's actually very funny that you mentioned the trimming your nails because just a couple of weeks ago, I actually sat next to someone who trimmed her nails. No way. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, at the time, I was like, oh, this is, this is surprising. And then I kind of sat with my own discomfort and thought about how in many parts of the world that wouldn't be considered a particularly private practice. It, mm. It's very culturally specific, um, this this particular person had her nail clippers on her keychain, so I was like, "Oh, that's a great signal that she doesn't see this as something she does wow. in the privacy of the washroom at home, for example." <laughs> um, but my partner thinks I he doesn't understand why it bothers me. He just thinks it's not really a yeah. So no, so it's no, often no, these unwritten no. rules are not um, they're not um, universally held, and and so when we we feel put off by somebody's behavior, sometimes it's good to reflect on ourselves and what specific rule mm. we think is being violated. Mm. You, did you say anything to this person? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you say anything? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, right, of when, when is it appropriate to um, approach a stranger? And I, in the end, I felt like she wasn't hurting anybody. And what was I going to say to her? (laughs) Like, you're making me uncomfortable. I I mean, I suppose I could have, but in the end, I just felt like why I didn't need to make her feel But you allowed her to make you feel uncomfortable. I guess that's your issue, though. Yeah, and I I guess I felt like I learned something from it. And it's a funny story, to be honest. It is a funny story, (laughs) and it's a gross story, and that grosses me out. But you know what, Professor Hanser, so why didn't you get up and move? 
I didn't. And that's another thing that I've actually observed on buses is that most people don't move. Even if you sit there and watch them sitting next to somebody, you think they would want to move. This is Vancouver, of course. Um, And I think that people recognize that moving can be... uh, uh, that can be it can be read as an insult by the person you've moved away from if there's not an obvious explanation for your move. And so some people switch seats a lot on transit, yeah. but it's a minority. And I have absolutely watched people and thought, "Wow, I really thought you would move by now." <laughs> and they don't. They uh, they stick it out. You know what? I need to take a quick break here, uh, Professor Hanser. Can you hold on a second? I want to talk to you just a little bit about navigating some dangerous issues because sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a bit of a challenge. Can I talk to you about that when we come back? Yeah. Awesome. Stick around more with Professor Amy Hanser from UBC after this. Hey, before we run out of time with Professor Amy Hanser, she's uh, with the Department of Sociology at UBC, a longtime transit user there, and has launched a project aimed at understanding how people interact with strangers on public buses, on transit. And uh, a number of people, I have to tell you, Amy, saying you should never, ever, this is the text line, saying you should never, ever, ever clip your nails anywhere but your house. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree with them on that one. Um, Okay, just, I, I wonder if you'll be able to tell the difference between people who are longtime transit users and those who use it occasionally. So that's a great question. Um, I, I feel like in, uh, I've been doing my observations in Vancouver, and generally speaking, it's not easy to pick out those distinctions on the bus because there's so many regular transit users. But I did, I did notice in the summertime when, the, when our... Uh, our big summer fair in Vancouver is on, there were definitely people who were not regular transit users on the bus. Mm. So they would take the, the SkyTrain into the city, and then they would take the bus out to the fairgrounds. And, um, and I, I found it interesting watching them. They, I mean, to be honest, the big violation they made was that they sat in the priority seats uh, in front of the bus. Yep. And uh, the regular users, generally speaking, are extremely diligent about keeping those seats open for people for who, need, who them. need them. Um, someone said, I hope uh, one of the buses that you take a close look at is the New Year's Eve free bus in Vancouver. <laughs> says it defies, I don't want to. <laughs> says it, it defies common cultural norms. That's from my text line. Yeah. Um, let's yes. talk just quickly because we're going to run out of time here about navigating some dangerous issues on mm-hmm. the bus because sometimes, um, you know, it just happens. It, it can happen and, yes. uh, and trying to figure out how to deal with them when you're in a closed space. Yeah, um, and there's different kinds of dangerous issues. Yeah. So one of, one of which is something that I, is actually very difficult for me to observe, although I hope when I do interviews I can learn more about people's experiences, and that's forms of sexual harassment, mm-hmm. for example, which are generally occur when the bus is crowded and yeah. someone has the cover of a crowd yep. To, yep. to intrude on somebody else's physical space. Mm-hmm. Um, but other other really challenging interactions can be with people who suffer from mental illness, mm-hmm. um, or even people who just have cognitive d- disabilities, and people don't yeah. really understand what how the interaction is unfolding. Um, and I, you know, I don't have a guide for how to handle <laughs> those. I'm I'm actually really interested in learning from people I interview about how those experiences, how they view those experiences. Um, I've I've had a, occasional ones myself. Only once where I was worried that someone might get violent and mm. I just moved away. Um, it's, it's, those are really challenging interactions, yeah. uh, especially for those of us who just don't have specialized skills in, well, 
dealing with conflict. (laughs) You know what? It's, you know, my son, my my oldest, uh, lived in Tokyo for five years and took the trains there all the time to to work. And, you know, you've you've heard about the the train system there. Incredibly efficient, but can be incredibly, incredibly crowded. And just some of the rules around that, how it all works. And, um, you know, coming from Edmonton, (laughs) right? Right. It was was a real shift for him and it was a real eye-opener. But you know what, uh, Professor? Hanser, I look forward to seeing where this goes and and what happens with it all. And I want to thank you for a really interesting conversation. Of course, my pleasure.